Well, good morning. Good to see you all here this morning. We are at the end of our series on the marks of the disciple. Uh, we've been through several of these marks already so far. <clears throat> Pastor John began this study with us. This morning we will be uh, discussing sacrificial mission. Uh, but thus far we've been through uh, the Christ-centered foundation. Uh, we learned that being Christ-centered means that it's, as disciples we value the good news of Jesus as the reason for and the goal of everything that we do. It means that disciples pursue Jesus as uh, their ultimate joy, as our ultimate satisfaction. Within the, that uh, built on this foundation is uh, the pillar of biblical truth. Uh, disciples value relevant Bible teaching that penetrates hearts, renews minds, and transforms lives towards Christ-likeness, back to that foundation. Uh, then Pastor John led us into understanding what genuine worship is about. It means that as disciples we value worship that proclaims the glory of the triune God, celebrating His holy name, His great power, His sovereign will. Again, focusing on Christ again in that center, that foundation. Uh, last week, Pastor uh, Daniel uh, taught us about authentic fellowship. Uh, he taught us that as disciples we are to value a faith family that shares spiritual gifts, shares personal resources, mutual acceptance, and caring accountability to encourage one another to become more like Jesus, back to that foundation. And so this morning we will be looking at that final aspect of, uh, of a disciple, that final mark of sacrificial mission. And sacrificial mission means that as disciples, true disciples value uh, service and outreach that demonstrates our love for God by ministering to those in need and sharing the gospel with those who do not know Jesus. You know, service and outreach, ministering to those in need, sharing the gospel. It, a disciple understands that these things are done as demonstrations of love for God. We do these things because we love God and are pursuing Him with everything that we are. <clears throat> it's kind of like being a gopher. Is anybody you, you tracking with? Has anybody here ever been a gopher? Uh, it was the first job I ever had. Uh, I was my grandfather's gopher. He was a he was a commercial residential painter, and I remember as a ten or twelve year old, I, I I once had a conversation several years before he passed. We couldn't remember whether I was ten when I started working with him or whether I was twelve, but it was somewhere around that age. I I was I went with him to work, and I was I was his gopher. Sometimes we'd leave his house at 5 in the morning. And when you leave at 5 in the morning, you're doing some important work. At least, you know, that's what I thought. My job was sweeping, sanding, scraping things, cleaning out the paintbrushes and the rolls, folding drops. I was his gopher. In the beginning, I had a slight tendency to wander off. And so Gramps, he would, he would do the thing himself. And I, I, would, I would happen along and see him doing something that he would normally have told me to do. And I would say, Gramps, why didn't you tell me to do that? And he'd say, well, you weren't here. You weren't here. It's quicker and easier for me to just do it than to go looking for you to get you to do it. That's why I need you right here to be ready to go for whatever I need you to go for. You got it? Yes, sir. <laughs> Well, a man once applied for a job as a handyman, and the prospective employer asked, can you do carpentry? 
The man said, no, I can't do any carpentry. Well, how about bricklaying? The man answered, no. The employer asked, well, what about electrical work? The man answered, well, no, I don't know anything about that either. Well, the employer then asked, well, then tell me what exactly is handy about you. And the man replied, I live just around the corner. You know, King Duncan wrote that sometimes the greatest ability we can have is availability. To be where God can call us, to be within whisper range of his summons, that is the beginning of a life of meaningful discipleship. Availability and obedience. That's pretty well all it takes to be a gopher. And it's all that's required to be a true and faithful disciple. These attributes of availability and obedience, they're required for sacrificial mission. Yet we often make excuses why someone else should do such and such a thing instead of us. Have you ever been there? Oh, I'd like to, but I just don't have the time. Better ask someone who has more time. Oh, well, uh, I don't know enough about that. Better, better ask someone who knows more than I do. Well, you see, I just don't think I'm cut out for that. You should ask so-and-so. That seems like something right up their alley. You ever been there? Well, don't beat yourself up too much if you are. You're right in there with Moses. Do you remember all of the important things Moses did for God? All the uh, wonderful things that God did through Moses. There were some powerful and extraordinary things But Moses didn't want to do it. Moses didn't want to have anything to do with that. He kept coming up with excuses why he wasn't the person that God should use. Let me tell you about that a little bit. You can find this in Exodus 3, 1 through 4, 17. This is God's call on Moses. uh, Moses is shepherding his his flock, and and he happens to catch out of the corner of his eye a a bush that appears to be on fire. And so he he goes to check it out, and this is where God appears to him, speaking to him out of this burning bush. And God tells Moses, I mean, after telling him to remove his shoes, that he's standing on holy ground, God tells him that he's heard the cries of his people in Egypt and is coming down to rescue them, to bring them out. And he's sending Moses to go tell Pharaoh, let my people go. I've come down to rescue them. Well, Moses has excuses why he can't do it. Uh, first, he, first he says, I'm nobody. First he tells, he tells God, uh, who, who am I that I should go to Moses and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? I'm nobody. I'm just a shepherd out here on the back 40. Pharaoh doesn't know me from anyone. Send someone with a higher social profile, someone Pharaoh will respect and, and listen to. God says, well, you're right. You're nobody, but I will be with you. I will be with you. It's not about you, Moses. It's about me. I'm coming down to, to let these people go, to get them out of Egypt, and I want you to go. I need a gopher, so I will be with you. Well, Moses says, well, that's good enough, but I don't know enough about this. I've never been in the people releasing business before. I don't know anything about it. I don't even know your name. So what if I tell them that the God of my fathers has sent me to you and they say, what's his name? What am I going to tell them? Well, God says, you tell them I am who I am. I am the God of your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I am has sent me to you. They will listen to you if you tell them that. Tell them it's about me, not about you. 
Oh, well, you know, they still won't believe me. That's fine, but they're not going to believe me. They'll say, the Lord did not appear to you. You've been out in the sun too long, Moses. You're seeing things and hearing things. God then says, I will empower you in your gifts. What is that in your hand? God then tells Moses to, it's a staff, by the way. Moses says, it's a staff. It's my shepherding rod. God says, Moses, throw it down on the ground. So he throws it down. It turns into a snake. God then says, reach down and grab that snake by the tail. Moses does, and it turns back into his staff again. Well, then God says, I want you to put your hand into your cloak. Now take it out. Moses took it out, and it was white as snow. It was leprous. It had turned into leprosy just in his cloak. So God says, put that hand back in your cloak. Now take it out again. It had been fully restored. And then God says, if they won't believe those two signs, go to the Nile, draw some water out of the Nile, pour it onto the ground. Once it hits the ground, it'll turn into blood. If they don't believe you, they will believe these signs. If they don't believe you, they will believe me working through you. So go and do this. Well, Moses says, well, I'm not eloquent. That's all good. That's, that's great. But, 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 but I can't speak too well. Send somebody who can speak well. God tells him, I will speak through you. Am I not the creator of the universe? Did I not create the mouth and the tongue and give men and women the ability to speak? I will speak with you. I will be your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. Well, now we get to the heart of all of Moses' excuses. He left the best one for last. I don't want to go. Send somebody else. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it, God. You send somebody else. I'm, I'm, I'm quite comfortable where I'm at, using my gifts as a shepherd with my shepherding rod, with all these sheep. This is, this is where I belong. Send, send someone else. God says, Aaron will go with you. Aaron will go with you. Is there not Aaron, your brother? Moses, I'm going to use you, but you won't have to go alone. Aaron will go with you. Can you see that the only thing God wanted from Moses was his availability and his obedience? The job that needed done was a job that only God could do, yet God was choosing to do the work through Moses. None of Moses' perceived issues were going to matter because God was the one doing the actual work. If Moses had attempted this in his own power, in his own strength, in his own skill, the mission would have been an utter failure like me trying to do my grandpa's job without him, without being his gopher. When we are available and obedient to God for his service, for his mission, the provisions and the power of God become available to us. When you are available and obedient, you are placed within a community of other available and obedient disciples. Your availability and obedience to God open the way for God to empower and use your gifts and skills to do God-sized things. And being available and obedient, it helps us to focus on God and His limitless abilities rather than on ourselves and on the seemingly insurmountable tasks God sets before us. And so let me start with that first one. You are not being sent alone. You are not being sent alone. 
As a disciple available and obedient, you now belong to a community whose rhythm of life is faithful availability and obedience. When Moses finally came to realize, uh, came to this real issue of his reluctance that he didn't want to do it, he simply just didn't want to go. God gave Moses some help. Moses, I'm going to use you. It's going to be you, but you will not go it alone. Aaron will go with you. Aaron will go with you. And we see that as Moses was available and obedient, not only did Aaron go with him and help him, but also his sister Miriam. And then there was Joshua. And then there, there was the elders of Israel. And even without them, God had promised he would be with Moses. Moses was not alone. And likewise, you are not being sent into service. You're not being asked to live into this value of sacrificial mission alone. I want you to look around the sanctuary to your left and to your right. Your brothers and your sisters are with you. Many hands make light work. And the endeavors, the tasks, the mission that our Lord gives to us, He gives to us. His body, the church. And so let us also not forget that God promised Moses that He would be going with him to speak through him, to work miracles through him. The task of freeing Israel from Egyptian slavery was God's to accomplish, and yet he wanted Moses to be his instrument to go for, to get it done. And likewise, we too have been sent out with the promise from Jesus that he would be with us wherever we go, didn't he? Even to the end of the ages, he would be with us. So you are not being sent alone. You are in community with Jesus and his people so that God may use your gifts. So that God may use your gifts. In answer to Moses' excuse that the people would not believe him, God said they would believe based on the signs. And then God showed him how he would use the very tools of Moses' trade. Moses was a shepherd. And so he says, what's that in your hand, Moses? Well, it's a staff. And then God says to Moses, take your staff in your hand and with which you shall do the signs. The very thing you've been working with for decades, I'm going to use that to do miraculous things with. In Moses' hand, it was just a staff. Good for shepherding sort of work. In God's hand, through Moses' availability and obedience, God will perform many extraordinary things. It's his shepherd's staff. This staff, through Moses, God will meet the challenges of Pharaoh's uh, magicians. With this staff, through Moses, God will strike the water of the Nile and turn it into blood. With this staff, through Moses, God indeed would bring forth all of the plagues that would torment Egypt and free his people. With this staff, through Moses, God will part the Red Sea, and that will become a single act of salvation for his people and judgment upon Pharaoh and his army. With this staff, through Moses, God will lead Israel out of Egypt and to the promised land, even through their disobediences in the desert. And so God asks, are you available? What is in your hand? 
we often miss that point. And I think and, and God seems to take it for granted that each of us has something that is useful for him, useful to his service and useful on his behalf. We're all given gifts that apparently we are expected to use. Paul reminds us of this in 1 Corinthians. He said, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. So that I can have some gophers. Our usefulness to God is not measured by the type or the character or the capacity of our gifts, but by our availability and obedience to God. And so the Lord asks, what is in your hand? What is that in your hand? And you may be thinking about your own gifts and skills. You may even have doubts and reservations like Moses but listen, if God can take a humble shepherd and use what meager gifts Moses had, a simple shepherd's staff, shepherding skills, imagine what God could do with full use of your gifts and skills. Marianne Evans, better known by her pen name, George Eliot, wrote a poem titled Stradivarius. Stradivarius is one of the most recognized names among violins and violin makers. And so it seemed to her that Antonio Stradivari had a sense of usefulness in relation to God. And so in her poem, she has him saying this, When any master holds twixt chin and hand a violin of mine, he will be glad that Stradivari lived, made violins, and made them of the best. For while God gives them skill... I give them instruments to play upon. For God could not make Antonio Stradivari's violins without Antonio. Did you think about that? Likewise, there are things that the Lord would do, but chooses to do only through you and your willingness to allow him to use the gifts he has given you. He wants to use your availability and obedience. Which brings us to the third thing that should be noted. Our availability and obedience help us to focus on God. Our availability and obedience help us to pursue Jesus. When we are available and obedient to God, you are perfectly postured to focus on Him and His abilities rather than on yourself. Our availability and obedience are necessary qualities of disciples who are intent on following Jesus. And when you are, you are better able to pursue Jesus as your ultimate treasure, as your ultimate joy. Looking past your limitations, your limited abilities, and joyfully submitting to Jesus' use of you and your gifts and what He can do through them. And listen, if Jesus isn't your ultimate treasure... If he isn't your ultimate joy, you'll never be able to serve people and love people the way God loves them. 
And that's key to our definition of sacrificial mission. That true disciples value service and outreach that demonstrates our love for God. Demonstrates our love for God by ministering to those in need and sharing the gospel with those who don't know Jesus. It must start here. We must be pursuing Jesus with everything that we are if we are to ever truly love those to whom we are being sent. When we pursue Jesus as our ultimate joy, as our ultimate treasure, we make ourselves available to God and oriented for obedience to his instructions. Did you notice where Moses' focus was? I, I, I. I'm nobody. I don't know enough. They won't listen to me. I'm not eloquent. Send someone else. God's reply is, you're right, it's not you. It's not about you. It's about me. I will be with you. I am who I am. I will empower you and work through you. I will speak for you and through you. And you're not going to go alone. I'm sending others with you. It's about me and my job, my mission, not you and yours. Let me give you an example of this from Moses' time of availability and obedience to God. Now, Moses made a lot of excuses. We've just read through those, but he was eventually obedient. And he remained obedient and available. Now, on one occasion, while traversing the wilderness, they had gone a, a, a long time without seeing any water. And so, uh, the consequence of that was that their water rations were dangerously low. As water rationing became more and more meager each day, the people became thirstier and thirstier and began to complain and gripe and, and got angry with Moses and his leadership. Why did you bring us up out of Egypt just to kill us in the desert with thirst? Kill us and our children and our livestock? We, we were better off in Egypt. Things were so bad that they began to doubt God's, God's promises to them that there was even a promised land on the other side of the horizon for them. They began to ask, is God even among us? Is God even here? Well, here we get a glimpse of what it means to be used by the Lord at that moment, being available and obedient. God instructs Moses to, to take some elders out to a rock away from the camp, and he commands Moses to strike the rock with his staff, that staff in his hand. And water flows like a waterfall, like a fountain out of that rock. And it's an apt picture for us, I think. For Jesus is our rock of salvation. Jesus is the very water of eternal life that is poured out on thirsty people lost in this world especially when we are available and obedient for God to work through our gifts. When we pursue Him as our ultimate treasure and remain focused on what He can do. Jesus said to the woman at the well, whoever drinks of the water that I will give will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give will become a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And when we are available and obedient to God, that spring of water welling up to eternal life, it wells up and splashes out onto those we serve. 
During that conversation, the woman said to Jesus, Sir, give me this water. Give me this water. And so this is why we must be the Lord's instruments. We must be his gophers. All around us, people are dying of thirst, crying out, is God even among us? Is God even here? And so God asks, what is that in your hand? What is that in your hand? Thirsty people need to see me working through you. Now, there's no burning bush here to commission you for work. Just a bald-headed preacher. You're not being commanded to remove your shoes, but to roll up your sleeves. You're not being sent into Egypt to free people from slavery to an Egyptian pharaoh, but you're being sent out into a dark and thirsty world where people have constructed chains and prisons of their own and they need to see God working through you for them to free them. There are God-sized things that Jesus wants to do in our community, and he has chosen to do them through you and your gifts. What is in your hand? What is that in your hand? As our worship leader comes forward, uh, let me leave you with this benediction. Please stand. As we live into this calling to use our gifts to be available and obedient to God, may you as God's people use your gifts to pursue Jesus as your ultimate treasure and so humbly serve one another and our community that those around us would no longer see us but would see Jesus and would know that the Lord is indeed among us. Amen?